Uh, this morning, I want to talk about groups that, uh, that we want to invite people to be part of. I think all of us are probably involved in groups that we're not really trying to recruit people to be part of, not trying to persuade people to be part of. Excuse me, most of us are probably part of a, a grocery club, for example, you know. So, but, but most of us aren't really trying to persuade other people to join us in our grocery club. So we're not trying to get people to go to, to Giant or ShopRite or, or whatever. I mean, we're just, we're just doing our thing, and we're not, we're not trying to get other people to, to join us. Uh, you probably have car insurance. I hope that you have car insurance. And you're, you're probably just content with your car insurance, and you're not out there trying to recruit other people to your car insurance, unless maybe you're getting a kickback. I mean, that would be the one exception to that. I mean, most of us are just, we're, we're, we're kind of happily part of these groups. Hopefully, you're happily part of it, but you're not really actively trying to get other people to join you. The community that is following Jesus is different than that by design. So the community following Jesus, it it is vital for those of us who follow to invite others, to to persuade others to join us in following Jesus. And and this shouldn't be hard for us because, I mean, we, we have the best news on the planet. The best news on the planet is that all of my failures, all of my mistakes... All of the sins of my past and your past can be washed away. I mean, our record can be set clean again. Not not just one time, but like every day, over and over and over again. This is the good news that we have. And so some of you are here today in person. Some of you are here with us online today because somebody invited you. Because somebody was excited about the good news of Christ in their life, and they wanted to share that with you. And so what's at stake as we think about inviting others and persuading others to join us is that the people in your sphere of influence, the people you work with, the people in your family, the, the people in your neighborhood, they are all going to spend eternity somewhere. And if no one shares with them, if no one invites them, if no one tries to persuade them to join the group of Christ followers, they will spend eternity apart from Christ. It is vital that we try to persuade people. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Every one of us has a role to play in this. And so we're going to look at that this morning in Colossians chapter 4. If you would turn there with me. Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. We're continuing our slow walk through the book of of Colossians. And just the, the thumbnail summary of the whole book of Colossians is that the first two chapters are all about what Christ has done. And then the last two chapters, chapters 3 and 4, are about how we are to live in response. And as we near the end of of this letter, there's this increasing emphasis from Paul about sharing our faith. So last week, uh, Pastor Jay led us in thinking about prayer and specifically praying for Paul. Paul is asking for prayer for himself as a minister of the good news of Christ. 
and for others who do ministry as well. Today, we're going to talk about how just ordinary people, so the, the non-Pauls of the world, the, the ordinary everyday, the non-staff, uh, you know, the non-pastors of the world, just ordinary people uh, are, are able to spread the good news. So the, the ordinary people of Colossae, that's where this letter is going, the ordinary people of Bucks County. So let's read these two verses together. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Paul, Paul is speaking into this young community of faith, a very radical concept, okay? In, instead of, see, what, what most people in the world think, what most people of Paul's day, what most people of our days think is that in order to approach God, we have to do certain things. We have to get our lives together and try to please God. And, in, and Paul is sharing this very radical, different concept of saying God has already done for you what needs to be done. And you merely accept it as a gift. You can't, in fact, do it for yourself. He summarizes this back, if you want to flip back to Colossians chapter 1, 13 and 14. It says that the Father, Father God, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. God has transferred us from a domain of darkness into the kingdom of his Son. And so that's what Paul's talking about in verse 5 when he talks about outsiders. I mean, Paul's view is that the world, after Jesus came, the world is now made up of insiders and outsiders. And so when he says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, that's the, that's the people in our world who are still in the domain of darkness. And he says, walk in wisdom towards those people. Because... Jesus was all about making outsiders insiders. Jesus was all about bringing people from the domain of darkness into his his kingdom. And then Paul, after him, was about the same thing. In fact, God sent Paul to the Gentiles, those who were outside of the people of God, because he's wanting to bring the outsiders to become insiders. And so now Paul is calling the Colossians and us to follow in this pattern of sharing our faith and calling outsiders to be insiders. And what Paul tells us in a nutshell in these two verses is to walk and talk to win others to Christ. As we walk through life and as we talk with people, we are to do that in a way that we win others to Christ. So I want to unpack that that statement, but first I want to just share two common mistakes that we sometimes make. We who are believers, we who are the insiders, sometimes make with unbelievers who are the outsiders. The first is just to ignore the outsiders. The first is that sometimes we just get content with our life. I'm, I'm kind of content with my circle of friendships and my life, and I just, I kind of don't want to be bothered with the problems or the burden of people who are outside of, of the faith. And so we could ignore them. Another mistake that we sometimes make is, is to 
to, to make outsiders our project. And that is to say, we, we kind of hone in on somebody and we just think, okay, I've got to convince them. And so I'm going to, uh, I, I'm going to share, you know, four steps with them. And, and as long as I get the chance to do that, then I've, I've done my job. And then I, I move on. And Paul, Paul says there's a better way. And he describes the better way in, in these, these verses. He says, first, to give attention to how we walk. So verse 5. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Time. That, that word time there in the Greek is kairos. Kairos refers to a, a season of time. It's a special, it's a moment when God is at work in a special way. There's another Greek word for time, and that is chronos. We, we know the word chronology. Chronos is about the mechanical passing of time. So it's the, it's the second hand, just constantly ticking on the clock. We're very aware in our culture of chronos. I mean, we are very aware of time. I'm aware of time at this very moment. Every Sunday morning, it's like, okay, we've got a certain amount of time. Then we've got another service coming and all this stuff. So, I mean, we are all subject to chronos. We will all experience that in life. But... We can miss kairos. We can miss kairos moments, those special seasons when God is at work. And Paul is saying here, we want to make the best use of the kairos moments. See, here's the the great news. Kronos becomes kairos when we have a purpose. We can, we can change chronos into kairos moments when we have a purpose and we're paying attention and we're watching, we're asking God to open our eyes to moments in lives of the people around us. What is he doing in, in their lives? Our, our, our neighborhood, uh, we've, we've lived in our neighborhood now for about four and a half years. And so we're just over time slowly getting to know our neighbors, know their names, and pray for them. And I pray for our neighbors regularly right around us. And I pray that God would just make me aware and give me moments to be able to, to minister to them, to be able to share hope with them, to be able to share my, my faith with them. And just in the four and a half years that we have lived here, two of my neighbors immediately surrounding us have had cancer. They're, they've been dealing with cancer. And it's given moments to be able to get below the surface and to be able to talk about something other than just, you know, how's your yard doing and, you know, what was that loud noise last week and that kind of stuff. I mean, we can get below the surface and talk about how are you really doing and serve and just say, how can I be there for you during, during this time? Watching for moments. We, we, we want to pray, God, God, help me to see and to seize these kairos moments in the lives of people around me. God uses pain to pry hearts open. And so we want to be aware of what he's doing in the lives of people around us. And Paul says, make the most of those kairos moments. We want to walk to win others to Christ. And we want to talk to win others to Christ. Verse 6 talks about our speech. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each 
person. There, there are three characteristics of our speech here in this verse as we interact, as we who are insiders, believers, interact with those who are outsiders. The, the first is graciousness. He says, let your speech always be gracious. You've probably never experienced this, but sometimes Christians can be ungracious. I hope you're laughing. I don't know. I hope, I hope you've never experienced that, but sometimes Christians can be uptight, judgmental, condescending and Paul says no we we are to be gracious he when, when he uses this word grace he is reminding us about what God has done in our lives I mean, those, those who are the recipients of grace which, which we did not deserve we should be the most gracious with the people uh, around us we, we are just we're, we're just a beggar I'm, I'm one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. No better than they are. And so we should be gracious, Paul says. The, the second characteristic is that there should be an attractiveness to our speech as we're talking with others. He says, seasoned with salt. So I confess that when I think of Middle Eastern, ancient Middle Eastern food, I think bland. That's just the automatic word that comes into my mind. And I think it's because they didn't have Doritos, you know, and they didn't have Dr. Pepper. And they didn't have all the stuff, you know, that is so flavorful, you know, that, that we like sometimes. And so I think, wow, it, poor them, you know, they didn't have all this good stuff. And, and then we had our taste of Lebanon in June. And if you participated in that, you know, wow, that couldn't be further than truth. That's not ancient Middle Eastern food, but that's the kind of food that they would have eaten in, in the ancient world. And so they would use salt. They would use all kinds of flavorings to make it just explode with flavor. And so Paul says, let your speech be seasoned with salt. It should taste good when, when people hear it on the other side of it. It should also make them thirsty for what we have. And so Jesus talked about this. He, he talked about salt. In Matthew chapter 5, he said, you are, talking to his followers, we are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So as we're interacting with, with others, as we're sharing our faith, we, we want our speech to attract them, to, to taste good, to, to sound good to them. One of the ways to do that is, is to share your story. So, so share the steps, share the facts about what Christ has done and what they need to do to respond to him, but share your story Share what Christ has done in your life. Everybody loves a story. And people are compelled when they hear that Christ has done something in us that is transformative. That, that whole idea of being brought from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the son that he loves. As we can share everyday stories about what that looks like in my life, that's compelling for other people. And if you're... If you're not experiencing that transformation very much in your life, then I'm just going to refer you back to Colossians 1 and 2. Maybe you need to spend some extra time in Colossians 1 and 2 to, to let Jesus drive deeper in you what he wants to do 
and then it's just gonna it's gonna come out naturally as you're talking with others. The third characteristic of our speech is is relevance. So in in the last part of verse six here, he says, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Each person, every person is different. Every person is different in their perspectives, in their beliefs, in their background, and we cannot treat people as a cookie cutter. This is back to the idea of making them a project, and I just got to share, you know, these certain points. I mean, there are facts that we need to share. There is a reality, but every person is different, and how you open that door to talk with them is going to be different based on their background. So I've been advocating now for, for several months, encouraging us to talk with with people who think differently than we do. I've been encouraging us to do that inside of our community of faith. So whether it is about racial issues or if it's about uh, wearing masks or, you know, whatever the topic happens to be, and you know that somebody else is thinking differently, I've been encouraging us to practice sitting with somebody eyeball to eyeball and just saying, help me understand Help me understand where you're coming from. That, that's hard. Those are hard conversations, challenging conversations to have, even in our community of faith. But it is vital to learn how to do that, even amongst people who share the most important core truths we agree on. Because we need to have those conversations with people outside of our community of faith. People who believe very differently, who do not adopt the the same beliefs, core beliefs that we do, but to be able to sit with your neighbor and say, well, tell me what you believe. What what do you believe about God, about the afterlife? And and then how how did you come to believe that? What, what, What fed into that? As we do that, as we understand where they're coming from, it it can open the door and earn us the right to then be able to say, well, would you mind if I shared with you what I believe? And then it becomes a, a dialogue. We're listening and, and, and figuring out how do we answer each person based on where they're coming from. I, I know these conversations can be challenging, and sometimes people ask a question that you're like, man, I'm not prepared for that. It is always okay to say, you know what? I'm going to have to look into that, and I will get back to you. Actually, that's great because then it opens up the opportunity for you to come back again and have another conversation. So so you don't have to know it all, and don't pretend to know it all. They'll see through that. But but to say, hey, I'm going to look into it, I'll get back to you. I do want to encourage one encourage you with one tool put one tool into your hand we have these little booklets may i ask you a question so this does walk through and this is a great tool to use to just walk someone through here are the facts here is the truth that you need to understand about jesus and so we have these available for you as we when when you're exiting today we have some of these up on the table those of you who are at home we have a link to that on our media page and you can actually go to a YouTube that walks you through this or we can send you one at home. So again, this is a great tool to use in the context of a, a broader relationship that you're building with those outsiders in, in your life. We want to walk and talk to win others 
to Christ. So many of these kairos moments are going to happen for us as we're walking through uh, the, the normal everyday life. And I would just encourage you to start praying for, for people. You're, start praying for your neighbors. Pray for coworkers. As you're praying for them, you're asking God to help me see the moments. Don't, don't let me miss the, these moments. So start praying for them. And interceding for them. So some of those moments are going to come just in the course of your everyday life. Many of them are going to come. Occasionally, God intervenes in our life and he calls us to a kairos moment that takes us out of our normal routine. And we have the opportunity to hear a story about that this morning in Kelly Talley's life. So we're going to ask her to come up here and join me. Kelly has been at Grace Point for about 10 years, and uh, you probably recognize her from from being up here and sharing uh, in worship. She also serves behind the scenes in uh, in Barnabas Care and Addictions Victorious. And so you've been serving a lot, been very involved um, here at Grace Point, but you've also gotten involved in another ministry down in Southwest Philly. Can you tell us about that? Yes, uh, through Addiction Victorious, I met uh, Bill Pruitt, who the Lord called to start New Hope Philly um, in about 2014. So um, this ministry disciples men who have come out of life dominating sin and addiction, and um, they're called to be missionaries and ministers uh, to share the hope of Jesus Christ, and also uh, to transform the neighborhood around them um, because it's a community that struggles with um, poverty and crime, a lot of addiction, and definitely spiritual darkness. So the men live on site. They have jobs. They um, serve in the community. That's it. That is our intentional mission field. And um, there's about 150 um, homes around. Um, and we have ministry events, uh, prayer teach, uh, prayer outreaches, um, and uh, prayer tents, evangelizing basically, and just loving on our neighbors and sharing with them the hope of the gospel of Jesus. So what is your specific role as you minister there? Well, I, I have one specific role, and I pretty much also serve in any way that I possibly can through the outreaches that we have in the community. Um, I am honored to lead the, the women's ministry there. Uh, Saturday morning Bible studies on the first and second, uh, sorry, first and third Saturdays of the month. And I'm especially uh, grateful that our own Joan Zebraline has um, been supportive of helping to bring a, um, like an annual ladies retreat and Bible study once a year. Um, my heart really is just to encourage the ladies to, um, to know Jesus and to know him in a deeper way. And, um, you know, really it's to, to deepen their relationship and their faith and honestly to disciple them. So that as the Lord starts to work in their lives and their hearts, that they're prepared to go out and serve him in a powerful way. Mm. Uh, this is so cool because I know, I mean, you're, you're living, I mean, you live five minutes from here. You live in <laughs> Newtown. You have a very professional job. You're worshiping here at Grace Point, but you're going down into the city and ministering mm. to, to people who have some really significant needs. Up to this point, you've been having those things happen simultaneously. Simultaneously, right? I mean, you've been worshiping here at Grace Point, and then you've been going down there to serve. But there's something's changed with that here recently, right? 
Yes, uh, definitely. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Bill shared with us, uh, who leads the ministry, that the Lord had been putting on his heart to have Sunday worship services. So I'll be honest, I got a big lump in my throat, um, kind of like the one that I have now. And um, because I truly love serving here at Grace Point. And, um, but uh, God is so sweet because there was no specific timeline associated to that. It was a, a, t- a call to, lead, to, to be led and pray and wait. And um, with everything opening up now, um, God has said it's time to have Sunday services. So mm-hmm. we don't know exactly the day. It's probably going to be early um, November, so very soon. Mm-hmm. And so, which obviously means you'll, you'll have to pick one, you know, you have to pick going down there and you won't be able to worship with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is yeah, a very bittersweet thing because we're celebrating God working in your heart and, and moving you in this direction. Uh, but we're, it's, it's a loss uh, for us. Um, tell us a little bit about how God has been at work in your heart to make you ready for this, this Kairos moment. So um, really through my entire life, and especially calling me to Grace Point, which um, has been an amazing way that he has equipped me to serve. And I have to say, as I was listening to the sermon, um, since I've come back to, to walk with the Lord, I pray so often, um, Lord, help me to see others through your Holy Spirit eyes. And um, as I kept praying that and everything, you know, life was happening, he started to introduce me in different ways. So um, I was attending Grace Point for about a year, and I, uh, this is around 2011, um, started, I went to a, a leadership course with a group from here, a leadership summit, and <clears throat> each person received a little broken piece of clay, and we were challenged to write on it um, a specific prayer. You see that there? My prayer um, read, ready me for your tough call. And I didn't even think about it when I got home. I put it in a drawer. I was like, well, that was a great conference. And then over these years, as I've been serving him at Grace Point, um, in different ministries, I see now how he was using um, my service to equip me and prepare me. And as I look back, he's just in a steadfast and faithful way, not too fast for me, but in his perfect timing, he continued to draw me in and nudge me towards each thing that he would bring before me and um, to prepare me for that. So as like, um, I think it's also very cool, the, the very first time I visited New Hope Philly, I felt at home. But I was also, um, you know, this is my home church, and I am definitely not a city girl. I am a country girl, and I am very introverted, and I'm not a very people person or lovey. <laughs> and, um, but Jesus changes us. He gives us a new heart. And so he's changed me over this time. And, and then as the question, you know, came on the table again about Sunday services, I prayed, and I said, Lord, um, how? And I felt him tell in my spirit that... Um, you will go as a missionary. And I needed a lot of convincing because I don't feel like a missionary. I'm like, I go to work. I can't, I, um, and um, as I've gotten closer to the Lord, I know that he calls each one of us to be a missionary for whoever he brings in front of us. If it's a clerk at a store or um, a stranger on, uh, you know, the way that is struggling. And we can see uh, we need to take the time to speak light into that life. Mm. Because if we don't share the hope of Jesus, they might not hear it. 
And that's um, how he's been working in my heart. Wow. That's so awesome. Thank you for sharing your heart here this morning. So, again, bitter, bitter, bittersweet. I'm going to ask the, the elders who are here to come on up. And uh, Kelly, you've, you've asked for our blessing as a church. And as you think about being a missionary, I'm going to ask you to come up and stand up here in the middle. Um, you've asked for our blessing uh, to send you. So we're, we're not sending you as a financially supported missionary, but we are sending you with our prayer support and, and with our blessing. And so the elders are coming here to gather around. And we're going to do like a social distance laying on of hands here this morning. Um, and just pray. And Keith, would you just lead us in praying for Kelly as she steps into this Kairos moment and pray for all of us that we would watch for, for these moments and seize them. Father God, we praise you and thank you for our sister Kelly. We thank you that you are the king of the universe and every moment that you bring into our lives comes through your loving hands. Uh, We bring before you today Kelly, who is a daughter of the king, and we commission her into your service and trust her into your loving arms as she goes into the city to minister the love of Jesus to hurting and broken people. Lord, we thank you for calling Kelly out of the boat and for her faithful answer to your call. Please fill Kelly with knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We pray that she would walk in a manner that is worthy of you, Lord, fully pleasing to you, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in her knowledge of you, Father God. We ask that Kelly will be strengthened with all power according to your glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to you, our Father God. And we thank you for Kelly's example of seizing Kairos moments in her own life. She has faithfully served here at Grace Point on the worship team, the Barnabas Care and Addictions Victorious Ministries. And we know she'll be faithful in serving you in Philadelphia at New Hope, Philadelphia. Lord, we pray that when she's tempted to look at the waves or to doubt that you are right there with her, remind her of this moment and of her purpose in serving you by serving others in Philadelphia. We pray that all of us at Grace Point will remember to pray for Kelly and to help her to recognize And we pray that you'd help us to recognize our own Kairos moments because we have them as well. Give us spiritual discernment to seize our own opportunities with Mm -hmm. grace, with attractiveness, and with relevance. Help us to see as you bring them into our lives that we are all broken people. We're all called to help others who are broken to find the source of wholeness in Jesus. Please build into us a sense of living on mission that our purpose will be to step into each divine appointment with confidence and that you will multiply Kairos moments for us at Grace Point, that all of us will have the goal of outsiders becoming insiders through you. We ask all of this in the name of our King Jesus. Amen. I just publicly want to say thank you to Sister Kelly. You're a blessing to us, worship team, to our church. We love you. 
Thank you for your years of service. You're a faithful servant. She loves Jesus. She loves Jesus. So we're going to close with a song. It's, it's uh, by Casting Crowns. It's an awesome song. Lyrics go quick, so just follow the lyrics. But then we want you to jump in on the chorus. Because the chorus says, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who saved my soul. Why you ever chose me It's always been a mystery All my life I've been told I belong At, at the, the end, end of, of the line. line With all the other not quite With all the never get it right But it turns out they're the ones you were looking for All, all this time Cause I'm just a nobody Trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. Ever since you rescued me, you gave my heart a song to sing. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. Come on, Jennifer. Side as nobody would have chosen change the world well the moral of the story is everybody's got a purpose so when i hear that devil start talking to me saying who do you think you are i'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul ever since he rescued me you gave my heart a song to sing. I'm living for the world to see. Nobody but Jesus. I'm living for the world to see. Nobody but Come on, Jesus. Sister Kelly. Living for the world to see nobody but let Jesus. So let me go down, down, down in history. As another blood bond, faithful member of the family. If they all forget my name, well, that's fine with me. Living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. Because I'm just nobody. Because I'm just a nobody. Trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. Ever since you rescued me, you gave my heart a song to sing. I'm living for the world to see. Nobody but you. I'm just a nobody. Cause I'm just a nobody. Trying to tell everybody all about somebody. Who saved my soul Ever since you rescued me You gave my heart a song to sing I'm living for the world to see Nobody but Jesus I'm living for the world to see Nobody but Jesus I'm living for the world 
prayer cards. Kelly has a prayer card, and that's available, I believe, over here, right? Yeah, on, um, on the table over here as you go out. And we are going to ask you this morning to exit out this front door over here. You are welcome to stand and hang out and talk outside as long as you would like. Uh, but we, we want to reset for the next service and, and be ready for that. And so thanks for being here this morning. Thank you, Kelly for sharing your story with us. I've just been praying all week that this would just plant seeds in many of our hearts to take our Kairos moments. So this week, walk and talk to win others to Christ and have a great week following Jesus. We'll see you next Sunday.